This week on A Lively Experiment, Alan Fung makes it official as a candidate for Congress. And legislation that would affect how we vote this fall takes another step toward passage. A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by... Hi, I'm John Hazen White, Jr. For over 30 years, A Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of the political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm a proud supporter of this great program and Rhode Island PBS. Joining us on the panel, Bob Walsh, Executive Director for the National Education Association, Rhode Island. Ian Donis, political reporter for The Public's Radio. And former state representative, Doreen Costa. Hello and welcome to Lively. I'm Jim Humlet. It's great to have you with us this week. Alan Fung formally kicked off his campaign this week, becoming the first serious candidate in more than a generation that the Rhode Island Republicans have had to compete for a seat in Congress. And while he answered a host of questions from a gaggle of reporters, he deftly dodged some others about the Republican Party nationally. Uh, Ian, fortuitously, you were there. Uh, what was your, there was the announcement and then there was the gaggle afterwards. What was your thought about that interaction? Well, as you say, uh, Fung is one of the best uh, chances for Republicans to win a major seat in a long time. This will be a very competitive race. Democrats have a much more combative primary. Uh, Seth Magaziner is the favorite, but we can't rule out David Siegel. He got an endorsement from Elizabeth Warren, and, and he, he has a significant capacity to raise money. But yeah, I was struck by Fung's speech. It was kind of a combination of a few different things. It was optimistic. It was very critical of Democrats. Not surprisingly, on issues like higher gas prices and inflation, there was some kind of nostalgia in the Trump style, longing for bygone days when, uh, you know, I think he laid it on a the little... The Tip O'Neill, Ronald Reagan era, right? Exactly, exactly. And timing is a crucial quality in politics, so it's convenient for Fung and the Republicans that they can campaign against things like inflation and the higher gas prices that do concern a lot of Americans. But this will be, a, 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 I expect, a very competitive general election race once the Democratic candidate is determined. And, you know, Fung uh, faces a primary, although much less of a battle with former rep Bob Lancia. And you were there too? I was. I was there. I thought um, I, when I had when I was leaving, I said to my husband, I said, I don't know who his speechwriter was, but that was one of the best speeches that I have heard in a long time. And it's not because I am going to support, you know, Mayor Fung. He's always going to be Mayor Fung to me. Um, but the speech was incredible. It was spot on. The Democrats are in big trouble. I mean, I know you, we were just talking in the green room. I mean, it is bad for the Democratic Party right now. I went to work yesterday morning. Gas was 4.09 a gallon. I came home from work. It was 4.19. Yes, so, got another little spike. So, and that's all you keep see. Gallon of milk, CVS, 5.89 for a gallon. You can say what you want about what happened before President Biden, but this is all under his watch. This is all under the Democratic Party right now. And I think you're going to see a lot of seats slip, especially in the State House because there's a lot of new names coming up, and they are working, working tirelessly Well, right and now. whether it's Biden's fault or not, I mean, presidents get blamed, or mm -hmm. he, he wears it because he's in the president's seat. Well, exactly. Your analysis yeah, I was not at the Allen <laughs> Yeah, Nor was I. But let me start off by congratulating a Republican, because Doreen just got married last week. So I'm proving <laughs> that I can say good things about Republicans. <laughs> and then it ends there. Um, Alan... Uh, the commentary is correct. Alan Fung is a formidable candidate 
for Congress in the 2nd District. If you look at the numbers that Allen uh, posted up against Gina Raimondo in the governor's race just in the 2nd District, uh, outside of Providence, he came close. Uh, adding Providence in, the Democrats uh, did fine. But then you look at the subset of Joe Trillo vote, this is going to be a competitive race in um, a competitive environment in the country. I'll say something complimentary of another Republican. Sue uh -huh. Sienke buried the hatchet with uh, her differences with uh, Allen and his wife and is doing a good job recruiting Republicans to run for office in the 2nd District to try and run up the total. In the same way Matt Brown's co-op uh, is trying to take a team approach to the primary, the Republicans actually have figured out what they need to do to be competitive. All right. That said, I think my team's going to prevail on the field, but this is going to be a real race. All right, so you've run for Congress. People don't know that many years ago. A long time you ago. You have advised a lot of campaigns, even before the announcement was over. This is Seth Magaziner, and I want to get your thoughts about how this is going to play. He talks about the first vote is going to be for Kevin McCarthy, presumably for Speaker, so he can push an extreme right-wing agenda that would hurt Rhode Islanders by privatizing Social Security, cutting Medicare, and repealing the Affordable Care Act. And then he goes on to say that uh, Mayor Fung's uh, platform puts him in lockstep with extreme national Republicans who've shown that they will stop at nothing to do Donald Trump's bidding. Is that a winning strategy? Yes. Why? Because both campaigns are running strategies they will believe are winning because both the fun campaign and the magazine campaign on the Democratic side have the uh, finances to test every message that is out there and run it. Now, you've heard this message before. This was a successful message Sheldon Whitehouse used to defeat Link Chafee, who was, like Alan Fung, a very popular, moderate Republican, but first vote is the worst vote. It is the derivative of what we were told growing up. You will be judged by the company you keep. And what uh, the Magaziner campaign is trying to do is remind the independent swing voters. He's got the Democrats, Allen's already got the Republicans, but the swing voters, the independents, decide these elections. And in Rhode Island, the overall national Republican message uh, related to Trump, as Kevin McCarthy is related to Trump, still does not play. How much is that going to affect the race, the national? I don't think it is. I honestly don't think it is. People are absolutely fed up. So let's go back to um, Seth Magazina for a minute. We have photos of him walking in a BL BLM defund the police march in Providence. We have the, the actual footage of this. Do, is that really something that you want to, I mean, you, you can smile. I can send you the picture. <laughs> but, I mean, do you want to, is that the platform you want to run on? Is defunding the police at this point? When, when everything is skyrocket, when murder and robberies and grab and go is all over this country. I mean, once you're up, at, once you're up in Washington, yes, you are representing the people of Rhode Island, but you are also, that vote affects the entire country. Mainstream Republicans in Rhode Island are not comfortable talking about Donald Trump or Kevin McCarthy. Mayor Fung was asked about supporting Talk McCarthy about in the scrum <laughs> after his announcement, and he, you know, he gave a nod to it, but he kind of put it off like he said he's, you know, it's this will be resolved later. And this is not something that Republicans here are really comfortable talking about. I'll talk about uh, well, it anytime. <laughs>
Doreen, I have no Doreen, with that. Doreen might be an, might be an exception. Exception noted. There, there are exceptions to every rule, but you know uh, Jessica De La Cruz when she was running for this seat, you know she was making it sound as if reporters and Democrats are elevating Donald Trump to, to some stature that he does not enjoy. He is the head of the Republican Party for many Republicans. He's out there. He's endorsing Republican candidates. He's very active. He is not some figment of the imagination of other pe of people other than Republicans. So this is the flip side of how Fung and other Republicans are campaigning on gas and inflation. And these themes are clear, even though the field, uh, particularly the Democratic candidate, is, is yet to be determined. I don't know. I'll talk about Trump any day of the week. But what's going to happen? It, let's say if, if Trump is the nominee, or let's just say I, Ron DeSantis is the nominee, this lively cup is the Republican nominee. I'm supporting the Republican nominee. I don't care who it is at this point because the Republican. And that's a long way off. Exactly, but the, but the thing is, is is I, we, we were I was talking on the way here, and I said I wonder how long it's going to take the panel to mention Donald Trump's name. So we were talking ten minutes in, eight minutes in. You guys just well, said I mentioned record. it because of, of uh, Seth Magazine. I understand that. Yeah. But Donald Trump right now is not destroying and running the country. President Biden and the Democrats in Washington are. I mean, when, when Barack Obama was president, I used to hate. Well, I took this over for George Bush. When Trump was president, oh, I took this over for Barack Obama. I'm sorry. You are president. Stop blaming the, pr the previous administration. That is one thing that I never, ever, ever believed in, and I still don't to this day. Joe Biden is the president of the United States right now, and everything falls on his lap. Well, look, there's also, there's also positive news about the economy in addition to the bad news about inflation. You know, unemployment is way down, even though the GDP quarter was uh, negative. 1.4. Uh, you know, most economists are remain fairly robust about the future economic outlook. So, you know, the, econ the economic uh, information is mixed. It's not all bad. It's not all good. Right. But, you know, it's, we'll leave it to the candidates. But I think the to, thing that's going to hang uh, the, around the Democrats' neck really is the gas prices, inflation, uh, and the supply chain is not getting any better because of the lockdowns in China. You see this, it's, and that's going to be a ripple effect over the summer. Final word before we move on to state politics. I encourage all Republicans to talk about Alan Fung and Donald Trump in the same sentence. <laughs> that's and Democrats, Seth <laughs> Magaziner, and defund the police. They simple have advice. It. Bob, let me stay with you. Um, uh, not a great week for Governor McKee. He's had some, uh, well, he's had some issues that just late yesterday we heard that he's dropping out of a, of a debate that he had committed to twice, now saying that he's not going to do it until the, you know, until everybody signs their papers in June. The other issue is Bug Craddock, who's the DMV administrator, um, not rising to a, uh, for those who don't know the story, he owns a building with his wife where they found there was a prostitution operation going on, massage parlor. So... Peter Narona issues a report that says we can't really charge him, but it's not a good look. And I wonder, these things begin to pile up for the governor. How serious is this for him? As uh, it, it's not getting any better. I would say the serious part of the story hasn't been written yet. It is unfortunate that uh, uh, Bud Craddock, who's doing a superb job at DMV, you can get in and out of there in 15 minutes mm -hmm. and get your license or get anything. This appointment thing is working wonderfully, and I give him huge credit for it. And if I was on the show three weeks ago, I would have said that because I just had to navigate the DMV. Um, he get. He owned a piece of property where an illegal activity was going on. He was not involved in the activity. But the real story is Peter Narona 
called him out and said, there's nothing illegal, there's not going to be a prosecution, but you should have known better and done better. That was, that was an interesting approach for the Attorney General to well, take. Well, and he's wanted so, to do that short of a grand jury so, to be able to issue a report. Right. And because they are currently investigating the governor's role in the ILO contract, when that investigation is concluded, what will the Attorney General say about the process, even if there aren't criminal charges? That's the real story in that article. I had uh, Attorney General Nerona's <clears throat> guest on my weekly show about two weeks ago, and I asked him about that. Will you publicize the results if there is no charge as a result of the ILO group investigation? He said it is his practice, as with the Bud Craddock thing, if there's publicity about a case to clear the air and, you know, make evidence what the findings are, even if there is no criminal charge. But to your question, Jim, I mean, I think McKee's rivals are going to have plenty of ammunition to use against him. Uh, and, it's, and already are. That's right. And it's striking that McKee's campaign team thinks it's apparently more advantageous for them to take a pass on this debate being staged by RIPEC last week rather than mixing it up with the other candidates. And it's RIPEC. I mean, you don't get much more neutral than that, right? Right. And it's going to be moderated by Steph Machado from Channel 12, who's an excellent reporter. I'm sure, sure, I'm sure she'll do a great job and ask a lot of good questions. But this is an early opportunity for the people of Rhode Island to hear from the candidates. This has been a weird kind of campaign season. We're almost four, uh, four months away from the primary, and things haven't really gelled or heated up much yet. But, you know, people have a, deserve an opportunity to hear from the candidates. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I want to hear from all the Democratic candidates as, as well as, as the Ashley running for government. If we want to hear, we want to learn about both sides. And this, that's, and this is the one great thing about the freedom of speech. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. I want to hear what you have to say instead of, you know, block. You know, you, you know we'll go there later. But what's your, what's your view on Ashley Kalis? This is the first time we've had. She only announced two weeks ago. What do you think about her as a yeah, candidate? Yeah, I mean, she's coming in, like, swinging. I have, <laughs> wow, literally, like, literally. <laughs> I didn't mean, no pun intended. <laughs> but she is everywhere. She is doing everything right. She's, for the most part, self-funding. I mean, I am following her on social media, and... I mean, she could be in Barrington in one minute and then Wesley the next minute and then Portsmouth and Newport. She is campaigning. I think whoever is running her campaign, I think they are brilliant. It, she's up on TV now, and if you had told us uh, two months ago that she was going to be the first candidate on TV, I think we would have scratched our heads a little bit. But she, you know, recognizes that she is new to Rhode Island. She's mm -hmm. got to build her name recognition, get her name out there. Uh, I, I agree that mm -hmm. her campaign is showing a deft touch on social media. They're, you know, sh using some humor to tweak McKee, mm -hmm. and uh, she's raising her profile right now. And that's what she needs to do, because mm -hmm. I know her, but most of people, a lot a lot of people don't. So she needs to um, appeal to both sides of the aisle. The second time I looked at the ads, though, it's interesting. Nowhere do you see that she's a Republican. She, uh, I would not have advised a Republican candidate and the presumptive nominee to be up on the air this soon. But what the heck? It's, well, she, uh, but she know, has the, no name recognition, yeah, less but, but, than Elena Folks. So she oh. is <laughs> attacking the incumbent governor who might not be the nominee of the Democratic Party and doing the work that, you know, she's saving um, Nellie Gorbea and Helena Folks, uh, who are the real potential challengers. So Bob Walsh is her campaign money. manager. What would you have recommended? 
I wouldn't have spent uh, TV money right now. I might have done some more social media stuff, embedded ads to increase uh, her recognition at that level, but it's too soon. It's wasted money. This is what Matt Brown did when he ran for Senate uh, for the seat that Sheldon Whitehouse took. He had an early flurry of advertising. He got a little bump in the polls, and it faded down to nothing, and he was gone out of the race. I, I just think he, she doesn't, and that, well, if she's going to spend $20 million and stay up in the air for the entire time, why not? I'm not, sure I mean, spend the, the money. I'm not sure that's the budget. <laughs> For a new candidate who, particularly one who is a newcomer to Rhode Island, I think it makes perfect sense to make efforts to raise her name recognition. That, you know, I think that's politics 101. What is her path then? You know, we've talked on the various panels over the last couple of months, let the Democrats beat themselves up. So Bob would say, don't get up this early. I agree with you that she needs a little bit of name, mm -hmm. name recognition. And then you get into the summer months where nobody's paying attention. So maybe you do a flurry now, back off, and then come in mm -hmm. in the fall. What is her path? Because we've had Republican governors before, although all of them have been from Rhode Island. Well, I know that she's going to be at every event that you can think of, whether it be a food truck event this summer or at at the local beaches. I mean, she's going to be out there. She's not stopping. She she literally said yesterday, I will sleep on November 9th. Until then, we are not stopping. And you know what? She's going to keep going. And the rate she's going now, people are going to know who she is at the polls. So I, I, I you know, it is Rhode Island. We don't know what's going to happen, but... Don't don't underestimate her. Do not underestimate Ashley. All right. Speaking of voting, uh, a major voting bill here in Rhode Island. We've been talking about these all around the country uh, that would change the way you vote in the fall. Uh, it would codify some of the changes that we had during the pandemic, early voting, uh, the way you handle mail ballots and all of that. Now, this seems to be going through the Senate. I don't know what's happening on the House side. Your thoughts in general about and, and the chances that this is going to go through. I'm, I'm not sure where the roadblocks are going to be from here to pass it. Yeah, I, my sense is this is likely to go through. It seemed to work well during the pandemic in 2020, and it seemed kind of telling that the opponents of this had to reach back to Buddy Cianci in the 1980s to find evidence to support their argument. I mean, yes, we should be uh, working to ensure the integrity of the vote, but there's no evidence of any widespread voter fraud in Rhode Island. I mean, there were uh, three alleged instances of people attempting to engage in fraud uh, in, in the election. Uh, these people are being prosecuted under a felony prosecution. That would seem like a strong disincentive for anyone to engage in that kind of behavior. So uh, there needs to be a balance between integrity and making it easy to vote. But this, this seems like it's going to go. The history of voting in America is briefly, we're a democracy, but we started out letting rich white property owners vote. And then it occurred to folks we weren't really a democracy if we did that, and then we let everybody vote. Except for in the South, where folks got nervous and they put in things like poll tax and, all, and long voting lines more recently and tried to discourage people from voting. The whole point of the process is that it should be easy to vote in as many different ways as folks can access the polls. I'm one of the ones who thinks we should be have a national holiday so everybody can vote or do it on a weekend. We're not there yet. These are ways to make voting easier. And as Ian pointed out, the three cases of voter fraud were, theoretically, I don't know the individuals, but I'm guessing if the voter fraud was based on they own a home here and they own a home in another state, 
there were probably rich white guys like we started out with. And hopefully it was an innocent mistake where they had two homes and they did a cross-registration thing. I don't think, and they're all, uh, if you look at the record, they were all over 70 years old. So I don't think there's a septuagenarian voting fraud ring that's going on in Rhode Island that should allow us to try and deny access uh, uh, to the polls to thousands of people. Bob, you just got three eye rolls from the <laughs> well, My goal is four. You see you're out of your goal. You see you're out of your peripheral. Peripheral vision, there's but, the Doreen But, but Donald roll. Trump would tell you there is. All right, there's the fourth eye roll. Right, go ahead, go Doreen. Ahead. Hit me back. Whatever, Bob. <laughs> no, no, here, here's my thing. You want to go to the polls and vote right now. I, I, I have never not missed an election, and I'm sure I'll be fact-tracked, but I haven't. I want to go to the polls. I want to show my ID, and I want to cast my vote. Right now, you have the mail ballots. They don't have to be notarized. Nobody has to watch you signing them. You can sign Mickey Mouse and send it in. But that signature is checked at the Board it's of Elections. It's not checked at the Board of Elections because uh, Chairwoman Sienke and I went after the last election just to, just to get some sample ballots. Squiggly lines, vote cast. Smiley face, vote cast. We saw that with my own, with our own eyes. How does that match anybody's signature? But somebody, sh if they should be notarized. How do you feel about early voting? What's wrong with, with having I have it no set problem. up? So I, early voting, you're okay? As long as you're going to, if you want to go to the, like, the North Kingstown town, City Town Hall, they have, the, they have the boots in there. You can go, you show your ID, and you vote. If you want to vote early, the ballot has to be taken to the city or town hall and notarized, and you can vote. I'm sorry, it's just, yeah. election is I, just I, not a free-for-all where you can just sign any name and yeah, just what, what about throw that? a ballot When, when they ballot. went back to the beginning of time, oh, to the Buddy Cianci, <laughs> Uh, uh, fraud. Hadn't heard Lloyd Griffin's name in a minute. Right. You know right? what? You know what he was? He was a notary. And he would pick up someone's ballot and notarize it and bring it in. The notarization of ballots does nothing. Don't look at that trunk full of ballots that we have. Right. Yeah, yeah. All notarized. Yeah. All properly notarized and witnesses. I just think you need a witness. Yeah, I mean, by and large, American elections work very well. There's been this myth popularized by someone who shall remain nameless <laughs> uh, that elections are problematic and that the last election was stolen, but that's just simply not true. The you know and in other states I realize it's it's a it's kind of an evolutionary process here in Rhode Island. In other states like Oregon, they've been doing mail ballots for it's been all mail ballots mm -hmm. in the state of Washington for years and years. Yeah. So what would you like to see? You want to keep the double signature notary? Is that your issue? With I the would mail like ballots? at least somebody to supervise and, and match the signatures because they don't all match at the Board of Elections, and I know that for a fact. But the other changes, are you okay with that? Is you know. I, as long as 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 long as everything is on the up and up, I'm okay with that. But here's what I'm not okay with: Nellie Gorbea is in charge of this election, and she's running for governor. The it's, Board of Elections is actually yeah, in charge well, of that well, part still, of the Well, still, no, election. she's Secretary of State. <laughs> I did knock on doors of dead people. Unfortunately, I went up to a door. Did they when I, it was oh, No, Bob, it, it, was, it was really sad. The wife answered the door, and I asked for the husband because she wasn't a registered voter, and she cried at that door. My husband has been dead for three and a half years. it wasn't on your list. Huh? It, it, it was on the list. That's why I knocked on the door. No, that's what I'm door. saying. The list that you get as a candidate, he was He alive. was still yeah, there. The voter registration list. I mean, they okay, didn't so that's vote. Just, that is sad, and it's always it's sad when you point. have to comfort someone. Bob, it's not the point. The it's, point is Nellie Gorbea did not do her job in cleaning <laughs> up the voter rolls. If she did all these years, that person would have not yeah, the other The there. other thing about, and I've done stories on this, the other thing about 
cleaning up the rules four times a year. There's also federal laws that say mm -hmm. to keep from disenfranchising people that you can't Two just Two federal bump, elections have to pass. Right, you Correct. can't bump them off. So, I mean, you may want to clean up the rules for... Okay. Now, obviously, if someone passes away and the notification gets to where it's supposed to go, you're allowed mm -hmm. to purge that name from the voter rolls. To be continued. Let's do outrageous or kudos because I want to talk a little bit about Twitter if we have time. <laughs> uh, Bob, what do you have? Um, I am outraged. Usually, I try and do a kudos. I'm outraged. Yesterday's Providence Journal, Linda Borg, had an excellent and frightening article where the headline was, Principals Requested to Recruit Selectively for Summer School. This is unbelievable. Uh, literally, in this email that went out to the principals in the city of Providence saying, avoid choosing students with attendance issues, avoid behavior issues, avoid students have struggled academically. Goes to summer school? This is <laughs> the point of wheelhouse. And then, to add insult to injury, later that day, another article by Linda Borg that went up online, Rhode Island students will need three to five years yeah. of accelerated learning to recover from COVID. Well, guess which students need the most attention? The ones with attendance issues, the ones with behavior issues, the ones that are struggling academically. The culture that has been visited upon from the management side, and I've got to add Rhode Island Department of Education in this, into the city of Providence, and also in this email saying, and our test scores will go up. If the only kids taking the tests can already pass the test, yeah, your test scores will go up, but you're not in the education business anymore. This is truly outrageous, and this has to be dealt with immediately. The culture they are visiting upon Providence is unfair to the teachers, it's unfair to the parents, it's unfair to the kids. That's and a, it has to stop. Three shows of outrage. Right? Yeah. Yeah. A reporter at the Los Angeles <laughs> Times did an investigation on how the sheriff's office there was attempting to cover, cover up a case involving abuse of an inmate. Then the sheriff's office made noise about possibly bringing criminal charges against this reporter who was completely within his constitutional rights. That was outrageous. And of course, the, after publicity about this, the sheriff backed away, but it shows the value of journalism and reporting. Don't take it from me. Take it from one of the state's top Republican officials here, National Committee man Steve Fries, who once during a forum staged by my radio station said reporters in Rhode Island have done more to root out corruption and wrongdoing than the Republican Party here. Amen. What do you have? I have an outrage of the North Kingstown School Department School Committee. We just had another teacher come forward and another complaint of, of a teenage girl being stalked by one of our teachers. Um, it's time for the school committee and the department up in North Kingstown to wake up because it's going to be, we're going to have many more coming out from what I'm hearing and it's going to cost the taxpayers a lot of money. Yeah, that is, it's, I mean, it's really sad it's, because it's they're entrusted with protecting Correct. them. Um, just quickly, we have about two and a half minutes left. Um, a lot of hand-wringing over Elon Musk taking over Twitter. The, we were talking about this in the green room. What really struck me was only 11% of the people in the country are on Twitter. Now, there's a boomerang effect because certainly when the man who will not be named was in office, um, <laughs> there was a lot of reporting on what he would... Uh, what he would tweet. Your initial thought about this? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Twitter. I've tweeted more you than... You are? I, yeah, I've okay. tweeted more than 100,000 times since I got on Twitter wow. in 2009. Do you need and an intervention? Do we need to... My, my wife thinks I do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, 
two people on Twitter can have completely different experiences. You can get great information or you can get up, you can go down a rabbit hole into a lot of disinformation. It all, it's a tool, it depends on how you use it. Yes, there's a lot of reflexive, partisan uh, posturing. People just put, you know, the candidate A, candidate B is a crook with no evidence of that. But you can also find a lot of good reporting on there. So hopefully uh, Twitter will remain a source where there can be some good information out there. You've been on, off, back on again. You're, you yeah, drop in and out, I drop right? in and out. I like to read the stories. Um, I And I don't care if, it, if you're a D or an R at this time. You can say what you want. You can go back on Twitter. If you want to beat me up, go ahead. I really don't care. I mean, if I want to go after CNN for their low ratings and their streaming service that is now no longer available, I can do that. I can do whatever I want without being, you know, attacked. And I don't care. Just I just... would love to see you in a ring with Ashley Kalis. No. What do you think, Doreen? She would win. I, I would, would bet on Doreen. It would be a PBS fundraiser. I would live tweet that. <laughs> you um, have 30 seconds. I do not think that Elon Musk is going to buy Twitter. So there's yeah, your bold prediction. I, yeah. I, I would not be shocked if the deal didn't close. Is it financing it, or? Uh, because Tesla relies significantly on China to p supply resources mm -hmm. uh, for their vehicles and China hates Twitter and why for what sounds like a lot of money to us, why mess up a $44 billion thing or a trillion dollar thing with a $44 billion acquisition. That said, if it still works for me, I'll use Twitter. I, I enjoy it. I learn a lot. If I don't like you, I'll block you. Um, <laughs> and and if do it that. doesn't right. work, we'll do something else. We'll all right, folks. Uh, I'm sorry. That is all the time we have. Bob and Doreen and Ian, thank you. Always a great discussion. Folks, come back here next week as the Lively Experiment continues. A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by... Hi, I'm John Hazen White, Jr. For over 30 years, A Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of the political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm a proud supporter of this great program and Rhode Island PBS.